Hey, Money Bosses, welcome back. My name is Anna Shergunina. I am your host. I've got an exciting guest here with me today. Her name is Marcia Morrow, and we are going to talk about improving our communication, particularly around a family setting. I've got a family of my own. My son just turned 21 months old, and even communication with him is very different. And so, and it's changing and, 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 and hopefully improving every day, but uh, I am just like, you um, looking for ways um, to improve myself. Now, since this is a financially focused summit, we've got to talk about how do we actually have proper communication, uh, communication and discussions and talks when it comes to our finances and money. So Marcy is the person that's going to teach us how to do it all. Hi, Marcy, and welcome. Hi, hi. Thank you for having me on. So excited. Yes. I want to give you a proper introduction and then we're just going to dive in because I'm, I'm all ears. Um, really love this topic. So um, Marcy Amara is an educator, speaker and family communication coach. She's been working with teens and families for nearly three decades. Inspired by her own frustrations, fears and failures, she researched, studied and tested hundreds of strategies, techniques and tools to effectively communicate in the ways to support both growth and sanity. Through synchronous communication and curious listening, anybody can transform these misunderstandings into moments of connection, and, the, and these are the keys to creating an environment in which anyone can thrive. So I am all ears. Welcome again, Marcy. How do we how do we get started? I'd love to learn. I know you said you've been doing this for three decades, so you've made your fair share of mistakes and <laughs> and I um, trust me, they never <laughs> no no mistakes. No, those are all lessons. But um, yeah, so how did you get started in this in this area? Well, actually, I started out as a teacher. I became a teacher at a really really young age, and um, when I was twenty one, I was actually teaching seniors who were eighteen years old. So I wasn't that much older than them. So I always, uh, throughout my career, I always made it a point to kind of feel like I could connect with them at a more uh, personal level, not just as a teacher. And I think it all started simply because I was really close to them in age and that was the easiest way for me to feel like I could teach them without feeling like a fraud. And so as my career progressed, I started noticing how far removed some parents felt from their teens and from their kids and how difficult it was sometimes. Like um, most parents even feel like, oh, my kid is a teen, I'll wave goodbye until they turn 20. And that doesn't have to be the case, right? And so I started researching and studying. And then once I became a mom, then it became a true passion to understand what is it that makes some communication effective and some communication so ineffective that it becomes a barrier instead of a bridge and looking at ways to really connect and to communicate in ways that decrease frustration and increase the possibility for everybody to do well and thrive and remain sane and connected and doing well together. Yeah, no, I certainly can. I think becoming an effective communicator can be applied to all areas of our life. I remember um, this was years ago, but um, when I was just starting out in my career, one of the things I've done is I went ahead and found a, a local Toastmasters club um, to improve, you know, the speaking uh, itself. But like the, the part that I didn't, I just knew that that's where you need to go <laughs> to get practice, right? To speak in front of larger groups. And, um, but I, the bigger part of that was the, the leadership development and improving your communication skills. And so I definitely learned quite a bit. Then I found myself 
accidentally becoming a business owner and then my team grew. So like, there's like, it feels like there's these layers, right? That we all go through in whatever setting, um, you know, we find ourselves. So how, um, if we were to put, sort of put the finances in front of us, right? As, as, cause this is sort of the, the theme of the summit. Um, where can families, right? We're talking about family dynamics here, obviously. Like, where do we start? Because I do see a lot of the tension, like when, you know, couples show up at my doors, um, we need to come up, come up with the financial plan, but there's sometimes these unspoken messages that we send to each other. So like, how do we start? Okay, so like with anything related to communication, actually anything related to relationships in general, I would say the starting point is clarity, right? And that is true for anything for family for business for anything the starting point is always being absolutely 100 percent clear because here's what happens uh the bulk of the frustrations that we feel whether it is with our spouse with our kids with our co-workers with our team come from unrealized expectations so we have these expectations of how things are going to work and in our mind we envision how everything is going to flow and how everything is going to progress and when things don't happen the way we expect them to happen, that's when the frustration sets in, right? Mm -hmm. And the frustration leads to stress. The stress leads to um, not being able to communicate effectively again because we can't verbalize certain things in that state of stress and anger. And it just snowballs and it builds, right? And when we look at money, it's especially important to be really, really clear on what our values and our beliefs are surrounding money as individuals, as a couple, right? As a spouse. And then as we become a family, what are those values and expectations and beliefs going to look like surrounding our family finances? Because here's the thing, we talk about money and everybody knows that money is important, right? But the bottom line, the reason why money is such a topic of contention, why it's so, so touchy sometimes, is because we attach our sense of safety and security to that money, right? It's really hard to feel safe and secure when you don't know where your next mortgage payment's gonna come from. It's really hard to feel safe and secure if you're a kid and you're watching mom and dad bicker because they can't pay the bills. It's really hard to feel safe and secure when you're a spouse that may be staying at home with the kids, especially now with all the working from home and all these things, and you don't feel like your spouse is supporting you in their spending or in the risks that they're taking in something else, right? Mm -hmm. So it all starts with sitting down and becoming really, really clear about, okay, what do we really believe about money? And it's really important to have this conversation because some of us bring this baggage from when we were kids, right? Surrounding what money is and what money looks like. Some of us might have brought up hearing that money's the root of all evil, right? So any conversation that has to do with money, we avoid because money's evil and I'm not going to touch it and I don't want it. And even though I need it, I have this battle inside of me because money's evil, but I need it. So how do I handle it, right? Somebody else might, and we might marry someone, someone like that, right? Might marry someone who is really ready to take some risks financially and who's into investing and who grew up understanding that you need to put money down to get some money back and that the bank account sometimes has to go down so that it can go up again. And they might be more um, open to these risks and they marry someone who's risk averse and then the clashes begin, right? 
So it's sitting down and having that tough conversation. Sometimes it's really difficult of, okay, what do you think of when you think about money? What do you believe surrounding money? When you think about finances, who is the person that you envision in your mind that you think, oh, that person did it right? And why is that person your role model when it comes to money, right? And laying it all out on the table so that, I mean, it might be the first time that in speaking it out, you realize, oh my goodness, I have these beliefs about money that I didn't even know about. I didn't even realize that I felt that way. So again, the starting point for anything that has to do with communication, with connection, with interaction, is being clear with yourself and with the people involved. And so having that conversation where you can sit down and say, okay, these are our family values surrounding money. In our family, the priority in money is saving for the future. Or in our family, the priority for the money is um, saving for a house or investing in this or setting aside the college money for the kids or having fun today. That might be your priority. I don't know. But sitting down and figuring out, okay, these are our values and this is where our priorities are because of our values, that is going to save you a lot of aggravation later on and it's always the best starting point. And, and it, it is really closely ties into what I advocate for clients as well, especially in the very first beginning stages of designing a financial plan, um, is, is to sit down and, 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 and as a family, because I think you, you spoke to this loud and clear, it's with this background, right, the, or the way we were brought up is what we bring to the table. And if it's a family unit, right, two people, and then there's more, right, if you have kids, um, you know, what are, what are the goals that you're trying to accomplish? But like, I believe that the, the values and then, you know, this discussion is like, it's sort of precursor to that. Cause like, how can you create joint goals when you aren't really on the same page and, and that's okay. Right? Like, I think you could probably comment on this, Marcy. It's okay for people to have different backgrounds and different values. Absolutely. Right? In fact, that is what adds to the richness of it. If you get two people, who are very risk averse, who are scared to spend a penny, then they're gonna have a very rigid lifestyle, right? If you have two people who are just ready to plunge in, no matter what, they might not have the best results either, right? So it's, it's, it's wonderful to see when you have opposites and they come together and they balance each other. I know my husband and I have this kind of situation where I am a lot more daring in a lot of things and he is more restrained. So he holds me up a little bit and balances me out and I push him a little bit sometimes and that's when we reach that balance. So it's not only okay, it's wonderful, it's a great thing. And that's another thing, right? It's we need to start shifting our mindset to thinking that in order to love one another and in order to be happy with one another, we have to agree on everything. No, we don't. Mm. We have to just learn to disagree productively right? So it is very possible and it is a wonderful thing to do to disagree, but do it in a way that leads to breakthroughs, that leads to better understanding, that leads to growth. And that's the key right there. It's awesome to have a spouse or even kids who think differently from you, but then let's open it up. Okay, let's have this conversation. I'm curious to know, why do you believe that? What leads you to thinking that this is the best course of action? and really listening, and that's when you read my bio, Curious Listening, that's part of it. It's mm -hmm. listening with your whole heart with the only intention of understanding what they're saying, right? Because very often, especially in situations like this, 
we say we're listening, but what we're really doing is planning our response, right? So the other person is talking and I'm sitting here thinking, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to say that and my rebuttal is going to be this and that's how I'm going to win, right? <laughs> but if we yeah. it with the only intention of, okay, let me try to really understand. Let me try to really hear and, and take in what the other person is saying then we can combine and work through, okay, how do we mesh these two views together so that they're no longer butting heads, but working together to create something that's wonderful. Yes. And that, you know, one area where I see a lot of this too, somehow it's, I maybe start there, but it's spending, the everyday spending or, you know, monthly spending. And so a lot of couples would, um, and because of, you know, the different backgrounds and the values and you know, how, you know, how things evolve over time. Like that's one area that seems to have a lot of disagreements for people. Like, especially when you start to accumulate debt or like the, the one, the one thing that I observed is that even the style of a communication, some people tend to share more, right. And others tend to be more reserved. So how, how do we have these more open conversations, especially when it comes to like such a sensitive things, like, yeah, I don't want to, I, I bought, you know, some shoes today and I may not want to tell my husband, right. <laughs> but I don't want to hide my credit card bill. The end of the month. <laughs> you know, what I have found and what a lot of experts point to is the fact that when we turn to either silence or violence in a conversation is because we ourselves don't feel safe, right? So if you are trying to engage in a conversation where the other person retreats and doesn't want to say anything or where they just change the subject or they dance around it and they never answer your question or they start getting elevated and you start to see that their shoulders start opening up and they start leaning forward and you feel like they're going to pounce on you, right? That's violence, um, not in the sense of like abuse, but it is violence, right? So those things tend to happen because that person at that moment is feeling unsafe in the conversation, right? So the easiest way to get out of that space of not feeling safe is to acknowledge what the other person is feeling, to let them know that you understand them and that it's okay, right? And to agree ahead of time that you don't really have to solve all the problems in that one conversation. All you're looking for right now is to really make sure that you understand one another, right? So it's wonderful to be able to say to your spouse, to your significant other, to whoever you're having this conversation with, I can tell that this conversation makes you uncomfortable. To be honest, it makes me a little uncomfortable too. And I can tell that this whole thing with the money and everything, it scares you or it makes you angry or whatever it is that you are getting from your spouse and give them an opportunity to correct you if you're wrong, right? Like maybe even say, is that right? Am I sensing this right? Are you feeling angry? Are you feeling scared? Are you feeling worried? What are you feeling about this? And then tell them, we don't have to solve all of this today, but we have to start somewhere. And I would love to start with understanding exactly where you're at today. So would you be open to having a conversation about this? I promise to just listen and try to understand and then keep that promise, right? And that changes everything because they're no longer worried that you're going to attack them. They're no longer worried that you're gonna make them wrong. They're no longer worried that you're gonna to try to change them in any way, shape or form. 
they might then relax and open up and give you the information that you need, right? Mm -hmm. But they also have to be able to trust that you're gonna keep your side of the, of the commitment, right? So right. be willing to just bite your tongue <laughs> and listen. Something that I find works a lot is something you're doing right now is taking down notes. When mm -hmm. someone is listening, if you're actually writing things down and you tell them, look, I wanna write some things down because I want to make sure I don't miss anything. I just, you can see them later if you want. I'm just wanting to make sure that I don't miss anything. And that process of taking down the notes is going to hold you from responding or from pouncing or from that reflex of just trying to make yourself right or defend yourself, right? So just listen, write things down. And then we're going to talk a little bit later maybe about what to do in the next step after, right? But just invite that feeling of, I understand you. I'm here to listen to you. And I'm not here to judge or attack you. And that opens up a world of possibilities in conversations, especially those that are rough to have. Yeah, I, I know it, it, it sounds really, really doable as you were describing it right now. And I was just, I was just thinking, right? Like you were saying, <laughs> my next response to you. Um, in the heat of the you know conversation or disagreement or you know there's a fight about something and a lot of times we hear these statistics that you know marriages are fall apart not because of you know everything else going on but really rather a lot to has to do with finances right or how maybe how they're even were talked about so like in the heat of the disagreement what is, is what you're describing some of the steps you can also implement because it's hard right it's it becomes it starts, your emotions start to show up. You start to sweat and yell and uh, like all of that stuff. Yeah. One of the um, very first things that, or one of the main things that I teach, and I actually have an ebook on this on my um, website if you want to go get it later. Um, it's uh, the process of how to diffuse the tense situation, right? Mm -hmm. And it does start with acknowledging how the other person feels. Now, because, before I say anything else though, you have to do a self-check before you can do any of this. Because if you yourself are at a spot where you know you can't calm yourself down, where you know if they say just one more thing, you're going to jump on them, where you know that you're just ready to pounce yourself, then it's not gonna work, right? So give yourself permission to tell the other person, okay, look, we are not in the best position to have this conversation right now, and I really want us to be able to hear one another. I know I really want to hear you. So why don't we take a time out, take some time, let's plan another time when we can talk, and let's, but don't leave the site without saying when, right? That's key. Don't say, we'll talk later, and then walk away, because that doesn't help, right? Just say, okay, let's think, when would be a good time to talk? Do you think that maybe tonight after the kids go to bed would be a good time to talk? Do you think that maybe tomorrow during breakfast, we can go somewhere to that little cafe in the corner and have a conversation or whatever, but agree on a time where you're going to take this back up again. Because then what that does is it commits you to actually addressing the issue and it will give both of you time to really process, why did I get so angry? What is it that's happening here? How can we better have this conversation? and maybe even preempt that the ending of that conversation with, would you be willing also to give this some thought and try to see it from my point of view before we talk again? 
right? And they might say no, and that's fine, right? Accept it for what it is, but always open up the possibility of, okay, we're going to take this up somewhere else or some, some other time, right? And then once you acknowledge how the other person is feeling, you will usually start to see, right? That they soften a little bit. So in the middle of the discussion, if you feel like you can control yourself, then tell them, I can tell that you're angry. The dog, right? <laughs> tell them, because sometimes in the middle of it, that's all it takes. I can tell that you're angry. And they go, uh, well, yeah. And suddenly they're not yelling anymore because mm -hmm. you're agreeing with them, right? Mm -hmm. Then ask them questions that will lead to them saying yes, right? So you're angry because you feel I don't understand what you want me to hear. Well, yeah. Okay. And you feel that I am always trying to control how we spend the money. Well, yeah. Once you get three yeses, they're ready to talk. Because mm -hmm. suddenly you don't feel like you're in opposite sides. Suddenly you're saying the same thing he's saying. And he hears himself or she hears herself saying yes to you. So now it's no longer a battle. Now it's a conversation. Mm -hmm. I like that. The, the rule of thumb, three yeses. <laughs> Got to get the three yeses to have a productive conversation right now. So Marcy, how about um, maybe a little focus on the, 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 the kids at various ages? Um, I know that there's definitely, uh, you know, for adults, there's space um, to have these productive conversations. When you have kids, right, or you, as they grow up, um, what, what are some of the ideas you have um, for parents to take away? Well, it, it again goes back to what your family values and your family priorities are, right? And here's why I say that. My kids have never had an allowance. They haven't. Mm. And the reason my kids have never had an allowance is because they've always been part of the money conversation. So they understand that they go to school and that's their job. And the way they get paid is by having a roof over their head that costs this much, by being driven in a car that is paid every month, by having utilities that are paid monthly, right? So they understand mom and dad work and they get money so that they can pay for all these things. I work so that I can get the things without having to put down the money, right? Mm -hmm. So they never had an allowance because again, they've always been in one way or another part of the conversation. But again, that depends on your values because you might be one that really believes that children should be kept from those conversations. And that is something that's really personal to you. And some people feel really uncomfortable bringing kids into the money conversation. And we have to respect that, right? Mm -hmm. So in that case, think about, okay, then how can I start instilling in them this idea that money really doesn't come that easily sometimes? that if you spend it all, then you don't have any. That <laughs> all those <laughs> ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And even a little itty bitty kid, you can teach, okay, there's a penny on the floor. What do we do with the penny? Okay, maybe we pick it up because why? The penny's part of a dollar. Without the penny, we don't have a full dollar. So mm -hmm. let's put it aside until we have all the pennies that make the dollar, right? And mm -hmm. you start those little conversations. I love the um, process of teaching the kids the currency, right? Like buying those fake toy mm -hmm. um, dollars and coins or making them yourself and teaching them and playing grocery store and saying, okay, but make it as realistic as possible, right? If the milk costs a dollar and you have a dollar and a penny, 
then you can buy it. But if you only have a penny, can you still buy the milk? And mm -hmm. have those conversations at their level, right? Mm -hmm. And start talking to them through it, through it all. If they get birthday money, oh, cool. so what are your plans for that birthday money? Don't just go, yay, you got birthday money. What are your plans for that birthday money? And listen to the words, what are your plans, right? Mm -hmm. And that starts instilling in them this idea that we plan what we do with our money. It doesn't just happen overnight. We plan it and we figure out, right? And then maybe teach them, well, do you think it might be a good idea to take some of that money and put it away? Don't force them to do it, but have a conversation with them, right? or at least I don't think you should force them to do it, but um, have that conversation with them. What, do you think it would be a good idea to save some of that money? What would happen if you spent it all today and then tomorrow you saw something that you really liked? How would you feel? Mm -hmm. How would you feel if next week your little brother, your little sister really, really wants a lollipop and you wanna get it for them, but you spent all your money, right? So walk them through the feelings that come with doing the, the best thing with the money and doing the not so great thing with the money and let them make the decision at the end. And then when it comes to, then that's the part where we have to be strong, right? Because if we're gonna put it on them to say, no, I'm gonna spend it all. Tell them again, okay, you're sure. Now remember, if you spend it all today, you don't have any tomorrow. Now, when you go to the grocery store with your kid tomorrow and they want a lollipop, don't buy it for them, remind mm -hmm. them. You chose to spend all your money. So sorry, today you don't get the lollipop, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And those are the kinds of things that we should start, in my opinion, trying to just walk them through and talking to them about. Because what often happens is we either don't have the conversations at all, right? Mm -hmm. And say, okay, you got $100 from grandma, I'm taking 10 and I'm putting it away and I'm not telling you why. And then they just resent that you took the $10 and they never learn where the $10 went or why it was important to put the $10 away, right? Or yeah. we don't give them any guidance at all and they grow up not knowing the value of planning how you use your money. Mm -hmm. Something that I've um, I've been looking into. My I mean, obviously the twenty-one months old Liam isn't quite ready for that. Although he does pick up quarters and takes you know, credit cards out of my wallet <laughs> on the floor, but no context as to what it does. Um, again, our concept of the three jars, um, and I know some parents they like the idea of allowance. Some parents don't like the idea of allowance, and that's okay. It could be either way, but also kind of start to teach them in, in that in, in that realm where you describe it to have conversations. Why would you put something in this in your savings book jar and then one in the spend jar and then one in the give jar, like so that they can carry those, um, you know, into the future? Because I wish when I was growing up that I had something like that, you know, with my parents. And again, it just comes to, um, you know, to the reality that it's not uh, not every family that even even does that kind of training, right? Or it's something that they value and they want to teach, but it also um, what they know themselves. So it's like, it's just, you kind of see that. And also I think our educational system, right? I wish I had um, a money one-on-one -on -one class when I was in high school. Um, I, I actually accidentally uh, learned about personal finances uh, at, at last semester in college. And then I just like fell in love and that's why I'm here. But um, I think it's really quite important for sure. And I, I can't agree, Marcy, more with you that it def definitely starts with conversations um, at, at home. 
um, in, with kids. I know that, um, you know, I mean, obviously younger kids are, perhaps you still have time to <laughs> mold them, right? Um, into, uh, into individuals that are gonna grow up, you know, educated and, and you know, proper, with proper skill set. Um, yeah, what, about, what about families who have older kids? Uh, maybe perhaps some teenagers. Well, with anything that you want to instill in your kids, the younger you start, the better, right? But I am a big believer that it's never too late. Never too late. Um, you were mentioning the school system. I happened to be in a meeting where they were talking about these um, academically gifted sixth grade students who were put in this program where they had to design an invention and they were given a budget to design the invention. And they were shocked to find that they didn't even know what a check was or how to write one, how to fill one out. And these were highly academically gifted kids, but they did have some of these basic lifestyle skills, right? Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to throw that in for a minute. But when you are addressing teenagers, the thing with teenagers is that they want increased independence, right? They want to feel like you trust them more with anything that affects them. And that's, I think, part of the reason why often parents feel like, oh, teenagers, bye-bye, you know. It's not that. They still want you around, and they still want a relationship with you, and they still want to connect with you, but they don't want to feel like you're constantly telling them what they need to do anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So those are especially the ones that you want to approach anything that has to do, especially with their money, from the acknowledge and inquire perspective, right? And um, we can talk more about a lot of the other elements later, but you start by telling them, I know this is your money. I, you know, if it's a gift or something that they worked on, whatever. I know this is your money and I know you worked hard for it or I know it was a present and I know you have these plans and I don't want to tell you what to do with it. So start right there. I'm not going to tell you what to do with it, but I'm curious to know what your plans are for this money, right? I'm curious to know, and that phrase is magical. I'm curious to know, because you're no longer trying to control, you're no longer trying to attack, you really just want to know, right? And the more your body and your expression can show that you really just want to know, the better, right? And let them tell you, oh, I'm going to buy three video games, and I'm going to blah, 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 whatever, right? And you just listen, and you go, oh, that's really interesting. That is so cool that you love video games so much. Now, how do you think you're going to feel next month when a new better video game comes out and you don't have any more money? Or how do you feel you're gonna, how do you think you're gonna feel in a few weeks when the theaters open back up and your friends wanna go see a movie and you don't have any money left, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. ask those questions where you get them to think about how they're going to feel depending on the decision that they make, right? And the hardest part for parents of teens is that we have to learn to be okay with their final decision, right? So it doesn't do anybody any good for you to say, I'm just curious and I'm not telling you what to do. And then at the end say, no, you're gonna say half of it. That doesn't do anybody any good because the next time you wanna approach a conversation, they're gonna be like, no, mm -mm, I'm not falling for that again. And she's gonna tell me at the end what I need to do and I'm not falling for that. They're right, they know, right? And they know you better than you think. So they can feel you coming a mile away. So it's about, again, recognize where they're at and help them know that you understand them 
and then ask key questions that are going to walk them through the feelings and the emotions that are going to arise depending on the decisions that they make. And never make them wrong, right? You heard me. Oh, I'm going to buy three video games. Oh, that's interesting. Cool. I love that you have a passion that you're interested in that. But let's think about this. How do you think you're going to feel two months from now when the new video game comes out and you spend all your money on these two? Right? Mm -hmm. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I yeah, <laughs> that gets their little brain thinking for sure. Like, oh, maybe I have a better a better plan. I I bet these uh, these types of conversations or questions would be really productive with adults as well, especially especially when we're looking at um, connecting the spending part to what we actually value because we the spending part is happens just like on autopilot, like boom boom. Especially when it's not like it's not the cash we can touch. It's yep. a credit card or the Venmo or whatever, you know, it's like, it's, these are numbers, they're not real. Um, to, to like, what do we actually value? So I love the fact, you know, this is interesting. I, um, and I hope all of our listeners will catch on this. Um, if they get to the session, they'll actually hear me sort of highlight this. But I think throughout all of this, uh, the presenters conversations, the biggest takeaway has been so far is like, we gotta really zone in and identify what our values are. Like what's important to us as an individuals, right, as professionals, as moms and dads, as family. And so there's so many different things that come out of this. So Marcy, I mean, this, this has been fantastic. Thank okay, you so I'm much. Glad. Just to hone in on that idea of the values, once you have your family values really clear and really clearly laid out, you will notice that the arguments go down, that it's easier to make decisions, and that the future conversations surrounding money become a lot smoother. Because now it's no longer a question of, is that, is that really what you're gonna spend it on? It's like, okay, let's look, does that align with our values? Does that really meet what our priorities are? And if it doesn't, can we find another way? Or is there a better way to spend this? Or is, it, there, is there something else that we can do, right? And you no longer have to argue because you both agreed or all of you in the family agreed, okay, this is our priority. So if we spend money on this, are we taking away from our priority? Then we need to reconsider, right? So mm -hmm. everything becomes smoother and easier once everybody knows and understands what the values are. Mm -hmm. No, it's definitely, definitely worth sitting through and <laughs> having a few uncomfortable conversations, right? Not every conversation is gonna, it's gonna be pleasant um, and, okay. you know, uh, touchy-feely and in all kinds of levels so well everyone listening this is um we're getting ready to head into our next session and marcy's going to dive deeper and give us a little bit more of her framework and steps um to solidify what we talked about here so for that you need your all access pass so this is your friendly reminder if you haven't upgraded this is your chance to do that and marcy for the closing would you share with everyone how they can connect with you oh absolutely so I can be, my website is marciamaro.com, really easy. I am at Facebook at Marciamaro Pro, and I am at Instagram at marci.amaro. So just find me in the social media or connect with me through my website. Sounds good. And we'll definitely link all of that under the video here in the show notes. Thank you so much again, Marcy, and we'll see everyone in the next session. Bye.